said to his wife, because I live, you live also. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. I'm just happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Let's look again at the church. Now they're saying we might get a little snowstorm come through here on Sunday. So I guess we'll just have to see if we do or if we don't. If it knocks us out of church and Christmas stuff, whatever the, the program they've got going there, we'll have to move it around. Say so might get one to three inches. I asked for maybe 17, some places 60. So I guess it depends on how bad y'all want to come to church. You better go to prayer. <laughs> Amen. It's that time of the year, so we kick over into wintertime schedule. But we'll come as often as we can, won't we? Praise the Lord. One of these days, no more snow. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. A prophetic realm must be a really different, difficult realm for those men who walk in it. It must be also a difficult realm for those of us who follow it. We have to be so careful with the tense of the way things are said, positionally the way that they are placed. Because sometimes things can be hereafter, but they're said as if though they are now. They can be said as if they are now when they are actually hereafter. You understand? So whenever you're listening to a prophet's message and reading and prophetic utterances, you have to be so careful of the tense in the way that they are said. Notice the way Jesus says this to John and the angel, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are, so past, present, and future, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. Now John saw them, but there was only one of them in existence, and that was Paul. Right? There was not seven church ages yet, but there were seven churches. But there was not seven church angels. Praise the Lord. You understand? You follow me? So the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. So he looks and he sees in the prophetic realm of time seven church ages, seven church messengers, and seven dispensations of the Spirit of God. Yet they're not all seven in existence at that time. And the seven golden candlesticks, which are the seven churches, of course, and the type of them, being in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, all those, those natural churches are there, but the church ages that he sees in his hand is not in existence yet. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Let's pray together. 
Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for enlightening us, Lord Jesus. We ask you tonight, God, that you would help us, that we can be able to receive from your word. We're so thankful. We're part of the church. Oh, Lord God, we realize the church that you claim is your own is the church of Mark 16 in action. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're among us, that you're doing wonderful, mighty things. Lord, speak to us tonight by your word, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I think this is one of the difficulties with us and the message that we're living in. You know, you find people that will follow uh, James Dobson. You find people that will follow many of these television preachers. And there's some of them probably doing all that they know to do. Most of them will never run into the different doctrinal things that we run into and even the strange perspectives that you'll find message people run into because they're not a prophetic class. Many hens people, you know, many of those people, Credflow, Dollar, or they were about dollars and cents, of course. Uh, you never find many of those people dealing with prophetic difficulties because they don't go that way. They go with all the blessings and all the nice things and all the wonderful things like that. So church ages, seven seals, seven dispensations of the Spirit of God, they just don't go that way. They don't talk that way. But when you go to dealing with people and with ministry of that class that go to studying about sevens and eights and fives and threes and forties and fifties and elevens and twelves, well, automatically people look at you like you're really strange and say, oh my goodness, where in the world are these people coming from? Because they're not used to hearing that. They hear about the cross, the cross, the cross, the blood, the blood, the blood. He understands why you can't live right. He understands why you can't overcome. He understands all this stuff. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't understand how they think he understands. Because I understand that there's a power of the Holy Ghost released to help us overcome. That's what I believe the cross does. That's what I believe the power of the cross does and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And in doing that, then it opens us up to very much scrutiny and criticism because, you know, people look at us and say, why do they want to go that way? Why do they always want to talk about all that different stuff? Well, let me ask you this. I remember reading about a man whose name was John. He stood at the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus. He stood right there and watched him die. He stood right there and watched him go through many of the things that he did. While Peter was gone, while James was gone, while Bartholomew was gone. Why is it that man who wrote of John and wrote all the chapters that he wrote in John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the entire book of Revelation, and yet he mentioned the cross less than Paul did. And this is a man who saw the cross. But John stood right there and saw it. How come every sermon wasn't about the cross? Because John knew the power of the cross loosed him to revelation of Jesus Christ. Now you think about it. Was the cross not important? Sure it was important. But yet they placed the cross in their proper perspective that led you to God. Then after you get to God, there's more to God than just preaching the cross. Praise the Lord. So now, are we going to be misunderstood because we do believe that? Absolutely. And there will be people in the message that will misunderstand us, and that comes with the turf. But yet we know that if we're going to be misunderstood, but we must go on with what God has enlightened us with. Don't you thank God for such a message? Now, in that progression, of course, even as the prophet of God goes to preaching on the revelation, whenever you find Brother Branham, whenever he preaches, is this the time of the end time, sir? And he goes to looking at the 
the seven seals, the seven thunders, and God is dealing with him. God has already begun preparing his heart a couple of years actually prior to this, and knowing that there's something more. His ministry would not be successful in the east. He'd have to go west. But yet there come a timeline that God was going to follow along. Now, when Brother Branham even goes to mentioning about this in 1962, there's things that he ventures out and he begins to say. Even when he comes back and preaches the breach, and whenever he begins to talk about things in the breach, remember when you listen to the breach that the seals are not yet opened. Many brothers try to take the breach, and this is where they get that mercy is over. They get mercy is over when the seals are open because many of the things that Brother Branham alludes to in the breach, the seals are not yet open. When did the seals come open? I'll tell you when they come open. According to his word, each angel came each day in his room. So the first angel came in on the day of the first seal, not the breach, not in God in simplicity. So when you're following through those things, you can see why that people heard things and then as it progressed and went on, and then they begin to say, hey, if the seven seals are preached, then mercy's over. There ain't no mercy. There ain't no forgiveness. Then the Lord Jesus come and the seals is preached and broke. There ain't no more mercy because by listening to the breach, you would think so. But when the angel opened, now can you imagine that prophet being in his room and waiting and praying and an angel of God comes down and reveals, remember he was about to make a horrible mistake on the day he preached the first seal. What was that horrible mistake? Preaching it the way he preached it before. Oh my. I know I'll get whipped and criticized and everything for that, but that are his words. That's right. He was doing the best that he knew, but the time was right and God was, God was not going to allow it to happen again. And the angel stood there in his room and corrected him on something he was fixing to write down. Why? The angel stood there and opened the first seal. Second day, the angel stood there and opened the second seal. Who was it? Church age messengers. It was not an angel with wings on his back. The mysteries of God was committed to these men that was in the right hand of the Lord Jesus. Remember that seventh one? The one that had his wings all stuck back? The one, one that looked more familiar to me than all the rest of them? It'd be really exciting for you to see my theophany, but I figured it'd be much more exciting to see yours. Amen. Praise God. Now notice then when we go to looking at these things, it's something that's so difficult for a minister especially to try to keep the continuity of God's word running right. Now, you know, it was the same way with Paul. It was the same way in his day when he began to preach things that had actually not been preached before. And some of the folks of that day no doubt had questions about things that Paul said because I don't care how much you would try to check Paul out in the Old Testament, there was things that Paul said that was not written in the Old Testament. There was things that Paul said that was not written in Mark, things he did not say that was written in Peter, things he said that was not written in the rest of the books. Well, come on, no, get quiet on it. Because God had given to the church age messenger of that age the word of God for that age. You see, a church age messenger is not just a compendium or a Webster's dictionary. If God has something to say, he will give it to that church age messenger. 
Even Peter said, our beloved brother Paul says things that's hard to be understood. That's right. Now, whenever Brother Branham come in as a church age messenger, as a prophet, not just a church age messenger, but a prophetic church age messenger, he is going to say things that's going to be misunderstood. He's going to say things in the light that he has in the early 40s that will no doubt change as the revelation progresses. Now, I realize that many folks want to make every word that went out of his mouth God, but when you tell people that, you're standing right there lying and you ain't got no right to be in the pulpit because he said himself the word opened further and further as a matter of fact he went on to say if time goes on it'll keep unveiling itself that's exactly right now not with another messenger the very same thing that's been said but the culmination of the light ending up at the very top of the headstone instead of in its beginning days so whenever we go to looking at fives threes five sevens uh, tens fourteens forties fifties to keep the continuity of God's word running right you know you keep in mind that anything you and I have to make fit more than likely is not the word because God will always make his word dovetail now some of it will actually be types and shadows of the Old Testament that will dovetail with the reality when it comes to pass. Same way with the opening of the seals. Now the mystery of the seals actually opened up in 1963. And the church said, but the reality of the seals, when Brother Brandon preaches the reality of the seals, part of the reality of the seals opened up in the first church age. Now Paul called it, he knew what it was, but they didn't even see the seven church ages. They didn't even see the majority of the Ephesian Christians. They knew nothing about seven church ages because Paul never even mentioned it. Think of it. Whenever John catches the book of Revelation 96 AD on the Isle of Patmos when it is written the first church age people many of them have lived their life they have lived their life as a Christian they have died and been buried they never knew the first thing about seven church ages at all. Why? Because that was not what God focused on them. They were the Alpha Bride. They did not need the understanding of the seven thunders. They did not need the understanding of the church. Church age began in 53 AD. It had been going on now for 43 years by the time John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos gets the revelation about seven church ages. Because even Paul never mentioned seven church ages. What was it? God was unveiling the revelation, unveiling more, unveiling more. And the apocalypsis, which is what the word revelation means, apocalypsis, it is taken from the word of when a, a great master would make a statue or a, a piece of work on a canvas. And he would cover that and then he would take the cover off and there to the crowd as they're looking, oh, oh, look at that Rembrandt or whoever it was. Oh my, look at that, how beautiful. So that was the apocalypsis and they would stand there and look and they would look at the eyes and look at the mouth or look at a, a statue of Moses as it was whatever that they had made that was the Greek word that was used in arts as well as in scripture it was the apocalypse something to reveal so God decided to reveal himself his word and if you could slow down the piece of curtain or material as it fell off of the masterpiece so the man walks over and he takes a hold of the cord and when he does he pulls the cord 
and the, the cord releases the piece of fabric and will slow it down in slow motion so it starts falling off and we come and we see it's a great picture but we don't know what it is and we can see the tops of the trees and the blue of the sky and a little bit white wispy clouds we still don't know what it is and we slow it down even further and the cloth falls off of it it's slowly coming down what is it? it is the revelation of the master's work Amen. Now the way God's looking at it goes just like that. It falls from the top to the bottom. But God slows it down in seven church ages and then he goes to pulling the string and then he goes to letting the curtain drop and it keeps falling and falling and the more it falls the more you can see and the more you can see the more you want to see and the more you want to see the more he wants you to see. Amen. Why? Because God is slowly revealing Hallelujah. So you can see the mystery of it. You know, you even think about the grace of God being revealed to the Gentiles. In the apostolic church, did they preach salvation as whosoever will? Think of it. The first few weeks, months, years, they didn't even think nobody could be saved but Jews. When did whosoever will show up? Now, a lot of folks think the apostles preach whosoever will, like the Baptist. You show me that in the Bible, and I'll eat your Bible. Show me their sermons. Show me where they preached it that way. You know how they preached it? By election. You have a hard time telling the Jew God don't elect. Since God called their father many, 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 many hundreds and hundreds of years ago based on one principle, God chose him. Amen. But you see, when they begin to preach it, even when the Holy Ghost fell, uh, whenever Peter went and preached to the Gentiles, he had to go back and had a big, you know, deal with his brothers trying to explain to them, it wasn't me. All I'd done was follow what God told me to do. And the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles. They say, there ain't no way them Gentiles can get the Holy Ghost. They didn't believe in no whosoever will. They didn't preach that. They preached God by election and grace. You read book of Romans chapter 9 so you can get ready for next week. <laughs> kind of ahead of time. So it won't choke you too bad. And you believe that this church, this apostolic church, did they believe in sovereignty? They believed in sovereignty over the power of man's will any day out of the week. That's exactly right. And yet the revelation of God had to unfold to them the calling of a Gentile bride. It took forever, seemed like, for that to click to them. But even at that, they begin to realize, and they preach, sure, people that the Lord is dealing with, but they still always come back to this. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. That was the way they preached it. Then as the revelation becomes more clear, then over we find in the book of Revelation, 96 AD, then Jesus begins to insert because now you're moving into church ages. So you're moving beyond just the Lamb's book of life over into the book of life, and it is the Lord Jesus that said, whosoever will, let him come, and let him take of the water of life. So now you imagine all these Christians that had lived their lives and never heard that said? They had lived their lives, had been a Christian, and they had never even heard that said because it was not said until John was on the Isle of Pebbles. So how did they preach salvation in the apostolic church? Well, I'm sorry you all didn't know this. I can tell you're just baffled and blown away. Well, look in your Bible and read your Bible. 
Show me where they stood up and said, now whosoever will, let them come. Show me where one of them preached such a sermon that was ever recorded in the Bible where they quoted that. They couldn't. It was not written yet. So what was God doing? God is now moving and not just dealing with the Lamb's book of life, the elect, but now as the church age broadens out, he's moving into this other group, the whosoever will group. And what did people do then down through the church ages? They put everybody in one category. Well, everybody is whosoever will. That's antichrist. You show me that in the scripture. Well, praise be to God. Hallelujah. God has from the beginning chosen you unto salvation and sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believe. And all of those whose names are written on the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. That's the way God did it. But yet what is God doing? Now he's dealing with the two books, the mystery of the two books. So he's got the bride book and he's got the church age book. And out of there, look, does he want them to be saved? He don't want anybody to be saved. The worst sinner you can think about tonight, or rather God don't want them to be lost. It's not his will that any should perish. The meanest person in Johnson City, the biggest drunk, the biggest liar, the biggest dopehead that ever lived. God don't want that man or woman to be lost. He wants them to be saved. But I beg your pardon, don't you put me in that category. Because that ain't who I am. I'm called from another book. (laughs) Now, in looking at the revelation of the book, you can see why that we are the people of the book. And the church is too. But it just so happens that we are from that personal little small section that is the Lamb's secret mystery of his own diary. And we are there, you know, by, by the grace of God. We realize that not anything that we have done. But by the grace of God, so it makes us inclusive to be able to have and understand by his grace maybe things that other people wouldn't understand and they wouldn't necessarily want to. And if they would hear us, oh, I don't want to hear all that. They don't even, I just don't understand nothing they say. I try to go up at that church and listen. Now, I couldn't understand nothing. First of all, that guy taught 90 miles an hour and they're saying stuff I never even heard before from our church. I went up there another time and there's another visiting preacher probably the same way. I don't see how that people get anything out of that service. Well, praise the Lord. So they have Mexican restaurants, they have Korean, they have Italian. Different foods for different tastes, I suppose. We serve bride food here. And it's not drive-through. I said it's not drive-through. Praise God. So to us, church ages mean something. To us, sevens mean something. Eights mean something. My goodness, how did I get off on all that? Now, oh, notice this in the rapture. Once you notice this date, 12465. And now that's the age that we're living in right now, the seventh church age. Okay, now notice 12465, when Brother Brandon preaches the rapture, one of the last sermons that he preaches, he's still saying we're in the seventh church age. Oh my goodness. So when did the eighth age begin then? If there is an eighth age. 
Notice again. So now notice Enoch, the type of the church. Here he's also typed in the seventh church age. Can you think of that? I can. Can you? The seventh church age. Notice at the sounding. How many believes there's been seven messengers for the seven churches? Oh, we all believe that. If, what's a big word, isn't it? If we believe the Bible. Then if you believe in eight church ages and eight messengers, you don't believe the Bible. Amen. If we don't believe the Bible, of course, see, we don't believe it. See, I wouldn't make that happen. It's what he said there. You don't believe it. Now, we're living in the seventh church age. And Happy Valley said, seventh church age. But how many believers are in the bride age, too? Brother Donnie, how can we be in the bride age and the seventh church age at the same time? Well, let's just say it like this. In the millennium, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, there will be people living in the seventh day in eighth-day bodies. Why would it be hard for you to believe them same people are living in the seventh church age with an eighth-day experience? We're always one step ahead of time. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, once we are burst into eternity, we are one step ahead of time. We are already, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, in our souls moved into eternity. My soul is ahead of my body. My soul is ahead of my spirit. My soul is ahead of my gray hair. But it ain't going to be long. My gray hair's going to catch up. And my body's going to catch up. So people living in the millennium, the seventh, the Sabbath, the one thousandth last increment of time, living in the seventh day in eighth day bodies, eternal bodies glorified. And yet there will be people in the seventh day living in seventh day bodies. And there will be people in the seventh day living in eight day bodies. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Notice now he said, again, paragraph 124, now we're living in the seventh church age. When the Bible said the seventh church age, when the messenger of the seventh church age begins to sound his message. Oh, but you see, friends, if we've moved into an eighth day, that conveniently leaves an open spot. Because Brother Branham was the seventh church age messenger. So if we move over from seven to eight... Brother Branham ain't there. So what do we do? We create a slot for a kingdom builder. Well, praise the Lord. But when you see it right, you have no problem seeing the seven and eight just blend right together. Brother Branham's message takes us right on to the rapture. There is no messenger between, between the Revelation 10 here and the body change. Right. When the messenger of the seventh church age began to sound his message that the mysteries of all these things has been twisted up down through the age would be revealed. And the seven watches. 
Now he said, like the seventh watch of one that come, he didn't come the first, second, third, fourth, but he come on the seventh watch. Now what he's doing is reverting back to the ancient time of the way that they had. They didn't use so much hours the way we do, but they would use watches. So it was from three to nine and six and on all that, that they would have a watch. So they called it a watch instead of an hour. So they would kind of identify as the rapture of being in this same way as a watch. That was Enoch the seventh, which was translated. And Noah being a type that of the remnant of the Jews is to be carried over. Now in Bible times, talking about the watches and nights are not divided into hours in the Bible time. So a watch would phase over in and take three different hours. So you can see, keeping all of this straight helps you to understand the types. You with me so far? Modern events, notice the date again, 12-6-65. Do you realize that that's the promise again, living in this very age that we're living? The Laodicean church age, this seventh age, that we're... I'm just convinced we're in now. It's naked, miserable, blind, and don't know it. That sounds just like people you see every day on the street. The same as as he blinded them back there for the purpose of getting his message through to the elected people he's promised to do the same thing today. So there aren't eight seals. There aren't eight thunders. There aren't eight spirits of God. Praise the Lord. There aren't eight trumpets. And there aren't, there isn't an eighth age. And there aren't eight watches. But there is an eighth day. And I'm in it. Well, don't you confuse me. You just said that you was in the seventh. I'm in both. What's so hard about that? If you've been baptized, do you understand? In the first church age, Peter and them, on the day of Pentecost, got baptized into the eighth day. Why? Because eight is the number of new beginning. When you get your new birth, your soul has crossed out of time into eternity. Amen. So here they were living in one, the first church age, and they had eight in their soul. In the second church age, those that had the Holy Ghost were two living in eight, three in eight, four in eight, five in eight. And here we are the very last age. We are seven in eight. Boy, if a math teacher hears this, they're going to be banging their head against the wall. Oh my, notice this, because he didn't come in the first watch, they went to sleep. Second watch on down. In the seventh watch, he come. And that's the seventh church age at the seventh angel's message. See, when he come, all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. So here's the very man who uses the term bride age and still says we're in the seventh church age. Wow. Can I go on? Again, in the seventh watch, then there came forth the sound, behold the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, and the ones that were sleeping awakened. And the age back to Pentecost woke up from the, uh oh, from the seventh age, notice the way to do, all the way back. So seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. From the seventh age. So if there is an eighth age, they don't go in the rapture. 
I know one thing. I'm going to go in this rapture. I want my thinking lined up in the right watch. I want my time synchronized in the right age. Praise God. Notice again an influence. The seventh watch, he come in. Some fellow asleep in the first watch, second, third, fourth, fifth. In the seventh watch, there come a cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh. The seventh church age. That's the watch, the age they watched it. And this is the Laodicean age at the end of it. At the end of it. Notice this now. This is November the 14th of 1963. Why won't you awake, you saints of the Lord? Why slumber while the end is nearing? Again, he says, and all those virgins that had slept down to the age, y'all rose. You see, now it's on the seventh watch, the seventh church age, the last end time, the Laodicea, the end. Notice how he just says it over and over again from a different view. There's a little group of them that went in, but it brings all the resurrection of those who died in the ages so from the seventh on back praise God but now watch this this spirit of mercy being over this spirit that we find ourselves encompassed abound around the world today was there when brother Brandon was here question answer is 1964 the church notice the date 83064 the church age ending and has blocked out. Now, this is a question. The bride is called, and we have already entered into the tribulation period. Look at this deep answer. No, no, no. I wish I could just have more time on that. See, see, the bride, when she's taken from the church, then the church age will cease. Laodicea goes into chaos. The bride goes to glory. Bam, 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 bam. And the tribulation period sets in upon the sleeping virgin for three and a half years. Notice how he synchronizes all this together now prophetically. And I push it. Now the people were sitting there and they heard this and they heard that. And this one said this and this one explained that. And that one explained something else just like they do today. So it created this among the message followers when Brother Branham was here himself. The tribulation sets in upon Israel and then comes the battle of Armageddon, which destroys all things. Then the bride returns back with a groom for a thousand years, the millennium reign. After that comes a white throne judgment. After that comes the new heavens and the new earth and the new city coming down from God out of heaven. Eternity and time blends together. Praise God. Brother Branham, some say mercy is over. Is the same spirit that's on people today. Now, I know friends just sit there and look at me and say, what is Brother Donnie talking about? What is Brother Donnie covering? Trust me. Trust me. I told Carol the other day, I said, you know, I hear all this nonsense around the world and all these things. I think I told Erica, maybe my daughter, somebody else I was talking about. I said, you know, as I hear all this stuff, it just makes me want to gather the sheep that God's given to me. Just gather them together and just put my arms around them and just shelter them behind the word. 
So when you hear a bunch of false stuff and a bunch of false doctrine that you're able to run to the word and say, that ain't what the prophet said. Brother Branham, some say mercy is over and no one can be saved. Now you realize, friend, this has been preached around the message for years. There's preachers that have preached this. If you was not saved in 1963, you can never be saved. Which would mean most of us are lost. So some of them now are saying that we're in the bride age, which is beyond Brother Branham, of course. And we don't need Brother Branham's quotes that much anymore. And now we don't need the blood no more. No problem with there just being seven stripes because we move beyond the need of the blood. And before Jesus ever died, he forgave people's sins under the ministry of the Son of Man. So therefore, we've gone back to that. And the bride has the ability to forgive people's sins. And the bride also has the power to send people to their destiny. So the bride can send people to hell. That sounds like somebody's been drinking something other than Kool-Aid. Now that spirit was around when Brother Branham was here. You imagine, Brother West, how that prophet must have felt when he read this question. Some say, there's the problem. Some say. Well, some say you don't need to go to church no more. Liars. Some say you don't need to have a personal experience with God, baptism, the Holy Ghost. All you need to do is believe the message. Liars. That's the problem, some say. Some say mercy is over. No one can be saved. Now, you imagine an honest, sincere person. Now, is this true? This is Brother Bram's first words now. I'm glad I got this one. We watch, now the, the question resumes, we watch, we watch the prayer line and it seems that some are still finding mercy. Now that's the first question you got too. And then he rephrases it, is mercy over? Don't. Well, how long does this never apply? Now, does don't never think that apply just till he died? Or does it apply up to now? Well, why do people want to think it now? It's not our place to who's saved saved and who ain't saved. This can come in and you know what it always winds up to. Those that are saved are those who follow them. Those are saved are those who hear their pastor's sermons or click on their website or whatever more. Trash. Nonsense. I'll tell you one thing, friend. There are going to be folks that will wind up coming through the tribulation called tribulation saints that you and I looked at and wouldn't have given them the time of day because they didn't believe what you and I believe. But the grace of God goes beyond our human understanding. Thank God for it. Don't never think that. See, just keep right on doing everything you can do until you're taken away. We notice in the prayer line some finds mercy. Sure, mercies, the doors are open. If I know Jesus was coming this afternoon, I'd be doing just the thing I'm doing right now. Can you imagine how the Lord Jesus let him know this afternoon I'm coming? And Brother Bram said, fine, I'm going to answer questions until you get here. We'll just answer questions and we'll go right on. Why not sit around Twitter and you say, well, I'm waiting on Jesus. I'm waiting on Jesus. You won't be going because that's a slothful, backslidden attitude. 
Those who go in the rapture, those that's going to be digging their taters, and women's going to be washing their dishes and making apple pies, and you know, doing all them things. Why? You're staying busy. You're occupying till he comes. You're planting your taters. You're building your house. Glory to God. If I knew Jesus was coming this afternoon, I'd be doing just the thing I'm doing right now. See, just continuing right on. Mercy is always open. Mercy will be open after the bride is gone. 144,000 are going to get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's going to take mercy to open their eyes. Praise be to God. And now what I think, you get this. It's about the finishing of the seven church ages. And the seven seals being loosed. Now this is where this was hatched out. Read Baker's comments. Read, Read Dake's. Read any of them. They never deal with such stuff. They wasn't prophets. Their followers never asked him such questions. Wesley's followers never asked him such things because Wesley was not called to deal in such things. So Brother Branham is attributing people thinking mercy is over to their lack of understanding the church ages and the seven seals. I'm convinced today that's why a lot of preachers are preaching that it's over. They still don't understand it either. So they think they've got a special button or a special key where they can turn up in heaven. If they don't like it, uh, turn Donnie off to mercy. Ah, you can't turn Donnie on or off. I'm so glad because, boy, I've done been cut off a long time ago. I'm done a blasphemer anyway as far as a lot of folks is concerned. I crossed the line between mercy and judgment. When I preach here, I stand 14, 15 years ago. Whenever it was, a lot of folks wrote me off, cast me into hell. I'm a total blasphemer, lost without God. I don't see how in the world that's possible the way he loves me so much. He's so good to me and blesses me every day and talks to me and just so good to me. I tell you one thing, if this is hatred, Lord, hate me more is all I know. But you know what, friend? You let that go in one ear and out the other and you realize ain't none of you. I ain't no other preacher's got the key of mercy. Jesus is the one that's got mercy. Jesus is the one that's got forgiveness. Let's get out of the judgment seat of God. Let's reach out to those that we can try to win instead of trying to cut everybody off. What's the matter with us that we want to cut everybody off and send them to hell because they don't go along with us? I wish everybody could love Jesus the way we do. Notice this, the seven seals, it's manifested what's taken place. What has took place, he said. The seventh church age. We're at the end of the seventh church age. When I say the end, that doesn't mean it's this very hour. This very minute. You remember the Bible said in the times of the Lord Jesus, Paul said the time is at hand. Do you realize how long that was in God's time? Yesterday. What is it, 1 Peter 4, where he said, the end of all things is at hand, 2,000 years ago. But that was God looking at his clock. Yep, just about over. It'll be done tomorrow. I'm telling you, y'all better get ready. It's going to be over tomorrow. And we're waiting and waiting. And we said, God, are you sure? He said, yeah, according to my time, it's right on time. Praise be to God. Why? Because prophetic talk, prophetic insight takes the same words that we use, but when it frames them, it can frame them in space thousands of years between two words. 
and then people read it as if oh, and they take their own local colloquialism and they take their own metaphors and things and they try to read it like that and understand it will never get it that way that's why we have to check our revelations back with the word Amen. well brother Donnie that's your problem you see the eighth day, the eighth messenger and all this. It's a revelation. Brother Branham almost said it, but he didn't. Uh, no. No. Now, look, I was born in the morning, but it wasn't yesterday morning. God sent this man and, and molded him and made him and for decades. Beat the far out of him whenever he got out of his wheel. Put him through all the things he went through. And then give him such a ministry that went around the world. And then God used him to introduce some peon somewhere. Some little knucklehead that don't even know the front door from the back door. And God used a prophet of God like this caliber to introduce some pastor like me. And I'm going to finish the mystery. Oh, you're nuts. Plain talk, he's understood, friends. Well, he said that's been 2,000 years. See, the time is at hand. What God calls at hand is not what we call at hand. You see, preachers talk like God sometimes, especially when they're closing. I'm closing. That was 30 minutes ago. I'm closing. Now I'm closing. Now I'm winding down. You see, preachers are broken into eternity, at least on that part. I'm closing. I mean, we're, we're coming to an end here. We're coming. Y'all sitting there. This is the 13th time he's said that. When is he ever going to close? Well, that's the way God does sometimes. Oh, my. That hit me a while ago in the study, and I thought, praise the Lord. What an example. <laughs> Notice he said, God's still got mercy open. Just keep flowing into it as fast as you can. I love this. God will do the stopping when it's time to stop. There ain't none of us got the stopwatch. Praise be to God. There ain't no preachers around the message got the stopwatch in the hymn. Up oh, right there. 317.63. I stopped it. Nobody, you ain't got the stopwatch. God will stop when it's time to stop. Trying to do God a service. Notice this. How many knows that this is the seventh church age? Say amen. Amen. And the congregation in this certain part of the world said, I can't say amen to that because my pastor don't believe that. Then you're on your way to hell. Because you're more concerned about what the pastor says and what the word says. Come on, Happy Valley. Well, I, I can't say amen to that because I believe that we're in the eighth day and we're beyond Brother Branham. I no doubt you are, but the bride ain't. The bride's still saying what he said. The Laodicean age of lukewarm that God spews out of his mouth and they spew God out of their mouth. There's not another age of the Bible where Jesus was found on the outside trying to knock and get back in. They put him out. No cooperation. Who is Jesus? The Word. So here at the Laodicean age, at the end of the age, he was thrown out. Thrown where? Into the bride. In the bride time. 
in the bright age. So he's standing at the door knocking, not at the church age. The church age has put him out. So where is he at? He's got to have some place to go. Here, Lord Jesus. Here, Lord Jesus. He made this little small increment of time right at the very end of the church age. Oh, hallelujah. So that there would be a people on the earth when Laodicea threw him out. Heart said he could go into and say, here is my place of rest. The word has been put out. The house throwed out the wheat. He said, I stand at the door and knock. Any man in those shackles out there that will hear my voice, oh God, he says, have mercy. But now do we believe in a bright age? Absolutely. You believe the message you do. Rising of the sun. Christ was the first one to raise from all the prophets and so forth, all typed in many places. He was the first fruits of those that slept. In the bride coming of Christ, coming out of the church, there had to be a sheaf waved to get in the last days. Oh my, the waving of the sheaf. What was the sheaf? The first one to come to mature. The first one that proved it was a wheat. That proved it was a sheaf. Hallelujah. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It was waved over the people. And the first time there will come forth for the bride age. A resurrection out of dark denominationalism. Will be a message that the full maturity of the word has turned back again in its full power. And being waved over the people by the same signs and wonders. Ah, so the bright age will have signs and wonders. Wow, I find it to be amazing that all these brothers that are preaching eighth day and eighth age and this and that and the other don't really believe in signs and wonders. They identify that as being Pentecostal. I don't deny that I'm Pentecostal, the original. I am not, listen friends, I am not Azusa Street Pentecost. I am Peter Pentecost. I am Acts 2 and 4 Pentecost. Amen. I've had both. Okay? I've had both. I've had Azusa Street. And if it fulfilled ever desire and ever long, then why would I look for the original? Some of you sitting here have been in Pentecost, the Azusa Street version. But the Azusa Street version didn't return my heart back to the faith of the fathers. Glory to God. But yet, notice again now in the rapture, after he makes this statement now about the bride age, Enoch was raptured the seventh, showing that it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. Now there's no doubt, no doubt that we're in the seventh church age. We all know it. Well, Brother Branham, some of them don't know it anymore. Now it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. Boy, it'd be a good title right there for a song. Now it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture, going in a body change. In a moment of time, by the power of God, our cells will be rearranged. We believe the word of God and the light of the hour, and we're filled with Holy Ghost power. Now it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. I'm glad I'm one of them. Praise God. Somebody write that down so we can sing it after a while. Woo! All the other six died, he said, but Enoch was translated because he, oh, hallelujah, he was not found. 
God took him. And the word took is snatched. One of the meanings of the word is as a man would run in and snatch a wife. Woo. The rest of them are the dying, but the end time bride will be called out. The rapturing without death will be called out of the seventh church age. And we are now bearing record of that age. Amen. Now that's the age we're living in right now. So you reckon Brother Renham didn't know that we'd moved on? I mean, he's the guy using the term bright age. Poor guy. I mean, it's so sad, really. It's so sad. Brother Branham being the most illuminated messenger on the earth, and yet it's so sad that God would have to send some little, you know, whatever to come and straighten Brother Branham out and correct him and fix everything. Nonsense. I said nonsense. Again, paragraph 124. We're living in the seventh church age. Modern events. The Laodicean church age. The seventh church age that we're now living. An invisible union. The word that fell on the day of Pentecost will not work this day. No, sir, that was for Pentecost. This is for the bride, the going home of the bride. Well, some of y'all woke up for the first time now since I've been preaching. Glad to have y'all with us. You just joined the service. Notice how he said, we got something different. The Pentecostals represented that again. We're in the bride age. I love using this quote here because this is one that some of the folks who hate Pentecost around the message like to go to. Well, once I got an understanding of Matthew 28 19, this is one of the first places I would go in trying to introduce water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because when I was a Trinitarian, I always dodged Acts 8 16, Acts 22, Acts 2 38. But once I got a revelation, I found Dodge was out west somewhere and I didn't need it no more. You get a revelation, you don't have to dodge scriptures and dodge quotes. It, it, it brings it all together. Praise the Lord. Now, me and Brother Tim Pruitt's been kind of conversing back and forth on these things, and he had some really good thoughts, and I want to share them with you tonight, if you don't mind, and if you do, I'm going to read them to you anyway, because they're really good. I just really was blessed by myself. We have something different. That age was to be planted, but this age is for the bride to be harvested, the going home of the bride. What do we have that's different than what they had? They were the grain, and we are the grain. They had the Holy Ghost. We've got the Holy Ghost. They were elect. We are elect. What's different? The Lamb has taken the book and the full inheritance has come open. They didn't have that. Now what did Peter say on the day of Pentecost? Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So if we take that quote now and apply it the way people try to apply it, then Acts 2.38 don't work for us today. Well, praise the Lord. You see how easy it is to twist a prophet's words. 
to make it line up with what you want it to say. When the word comes together, it has continuity and it flows. It flows. Oh, yes, that's what I love, don't you? When the word of God just flows. Let me read you some more of Brother Tim's words. Now, I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Hope he's all right with it. I think he will be. Now, the lamb has taken the book and given the full inheritance. To them, it was a partial understanding. Even it says about the church ages. They never even knew anything about it. You understand the first century Christians, many of them, never knew nothing about seven seals. It was not in the Pauline epistles. It was not in the four gospels. It was not in the book of Acts. They never knew one thing about it. They knew nothing about seven church ages, seven seals, seven thunders. Paul never mentioned seven thunders. Paul never mentioned seven church ages, seven seals. Hallelujah. Jesus never mentioned it. They lived their entire life. The word they had, the word them first century Christians had, will not work for you and I because we've lived further down in time. Now we needed the understanding of seven seals. Will Acts 2.38 work? You better believe it'll work. Will Acts 2.4 work? Yes, it will work. But that was sowing seed. This is reaping the harvest. That was the alpha bride. This is the omega bride. That was the beginning. This is the end. Partial understanding giving away to full understanding. Partial redemption giving away to full redemption. Peter could not preach his people into a body change. Please don't misunderstand me. Paul was not allowed to preach his people into a body change. But there are ministers standing on the earth today with lesser ministry than either of those men had and will actually preach their congregants into a body change. Praise be to God. Can you imagine what a great man that Paul was and yet Paul was not allowed to actually preach his people. Friend, do you believe this? I believe with all of my heart there's people sitting right in this place tonight that will be alive when the Lord Jesus comes. I hope by the grace of God I'm alive. We may leave out of, out of Wednesday night service. We may leave out of here after a Sunday morning service and you'll be preached right into a body change. But Paul couldn't do that. I said, Paul couldn't do that. He could talk about it. The hill I showed you a mystery, but he was never allowed to do it. <laughs> Amen. That's what seven angels and the cloud represent. It's all seven church ages now completed. The complete word is here. That makes the living bride, the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the masterpiece is completed. Who did Peter preach the message on Pentecost to? If you know your Bible, you know. It was Jews from all other nations. No Gentiles included. So if we take that thought, we can't even be saved. Well, praise the Lord. I'm closing. I've heard, but now I see. Now it's beginning to pull away. Though it's beginning to be seen. Then from now on, every time I say that, y'all going to start smiling. This is not a Pentecostal age. This is the latter day age. This is the bride age. This is the evening light. This is when Malachi 4 must be fulfilled to follow God's pattern. This is Luke 17.30 to be fulfilled. When is the bride age? This increment of time while in the time frame. Everybody understand. 
Everybody understand. The bright age is right at the very end of the Laodicean age. Amen. The very time when the focus is on the bride. He calls it bride time, bride light. It is the manifestation of the bride. Thank you, Jesus. Modern events, we're not living in a Pentecostal age, we're living in another age. We're not living in a Methodist age, we're living in another age. We're living on up here to the bride age. The calling of the church, getting it together for the rapture. This is what the rapture is. The bride age is what? Getting the bride together for a rapture. What's the majority of these preachers doing to their people? Getting them ready for tribulation. Telling women they can cut their hair, that they can wear pants, they can do all of that. You're not getting people ready for a bride preaching that, for a rapture. You're getting them ready for tribulation. That's the age that we're now living, to my honest opinion. That's exactly the truth. Modern events, again, you look at the calendar to find out what day of the year you're living in. You look at God's Bible to see what age you're living in. We're not living in the Methodist age, the Baptist age. We're living in the bride age. We're calling, bringing back to God through a channel, amen, that he promised to bring back in. Now you see, leadership, it's wheat time. It's getting harvest time. This is not Luther's age. It's not Pentecostal age. This is bride age. As Moses called a nation out of a nation, Christ today is calling a church out of a church. This is why I can title this series, The Church, and be perfectly proper in doing so. Because we are the church called out of the church. Let's stand together. I'm closing. I didn't say I was stopped, but I'm closing. Excuse me. Let me read this to you. We learn the most amazing truth that the Holy Spirit could and would fall upon unregenerate false vine Christians and manifest powerfully in various signs and wonders, even as Judas had a definite ministry in the Holy Ghost, though he himself was pronounced to be a devil. With these principles in mind, we start to trace the church to the various seven ages. The birth of the church was at Pentecost. As the first Adam was given a bride fresh from the hand of God and was undefiled for a brief span. So was Christ, the last Adam, given a bride pure and fresh at Pentecost. And she remained separate and undefiled for some time. Here, my friends, is the alpha time. This is the morning light shining in its strength under the administration of the life of the Lamb himself. Now remember, the first church age did not begin until 53 AD. So the Holy Ghost falls in 33, 34, something like that. So you've got a span of 20 years of something going on. Now remember, they didn't even have a New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you think they were written following the life of Jesus? No, they were not. They were written years afterwards. The book of James, supposedly one of the first books that was written, 55, 56. 1 Corinthians, somewhere in there, Galatians, the same way, 55, 56 AD. What in the world did they preach? What did they preach from? Types, shadows, rehearsing the words of Jesus, remembering the words of Jesus. They didn't even have a written New Testament. They were the living bride in action. Alpha time. 
Morning time. Bride age. Brother Branham did not come to restore us back to the Ephesian church age. But pre-Ephesian. But Phil, this is what we're to be restored back to. And the rest does not join himself to them. Acts 5.13. The Lord added daily such as should be saved. Acts 2.47. How long this continued, we do not know. But one day, even as Eve was tempted, seduced by Satan. So the church was contaminated by the entrance of an antichrist spirit. So the church became a fallen woman. She moved now from this period, this age, in this age, to where she now accepts the leadership of man. Man tells her what to do, when to play a tape, what tape to play. Tell her when to go to church, when not to go to church. Uh, you, you go here and preach. You go there. You sit down and shut up. You do this and that and the other. Can't you see how it's going to end up around this message? Satan is going to do the same thing he started out with in the beginning. He's going to do his best to get men right among us that will tell us what we can do, what we can't do, how we can preach, how we can react, how we ought to do this, that, and other. Isn't it amazing that he tells us right here from this sermon, Church Age book, that the bride will be forced to stop preaching, not forced to stop playing tapes. Come on now, let's say what he said. Show me where he ever said she'll be forced to stop playing tapes. The attack will be against preaching. So what will it do? This slot of time that started out, it'll come right to the end. And at the end of the Laodicean church age, there'll be a group that'll move out. Now they're not going beyond church. They're not going beyond the church age messenger. They're not going beyond assembling themselves together. But they're going beyond the man control of bishops and overseers and you do this and you do that and you go here and this and that and the other. Come on, children. And what are they doing? Moving right back to becoming the bride she was at the beginning. That's the bride age. Why is that so hard and complicated? It goes right back to what she was at the beginning. Well, I'm close. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for this message, Lord. Lord God, I love my Bible. I love it now more than I've ever loved it. But Lord, I'm also grateful for a message that points us back to the Bible and gives us an insight. When I was a Pentecostal preacher, the only thing I read was my Bible. I didn't read dictionaries. I wouldn't hardly look at any commentaries. I wouldn't hardly look at nothing. And with my memory, I could quote and quote and quote and quote. And I was blind and blind and blind and blind. And when this message came into my life, it did not come into my life to do away with my Bible. But it come to help me to understand it better. Lord, that's one thing I so love. If Brother Branham would have stood up and tried to replace our Bible and say, you don't need it no more, all you need is me, we'd know that's a sign of a false prophet. But over and over and over again, he emphasized to us, even as something, Lord, as simple as going to Brother Charlie Cox's house one day, Brother Charlie had his Bible laying there and had one of Brother Branham's sermon books. 
And he had the sermon laying on top of the Bible. Brother Branham goes into the living room, takes the Bible, and puts it on top of the sermon message book and said, Brother Charlie, don't never put nothing in front of this word. That tells us what kind of man he was out of the pulpit, that he lived the same thing that he preached. Lord Jesus, open our understanding. Help us, Father. I know, Lord, these services will go around the world, and I understand they'll go into some of these hot spots where these doctrines are being preached and the very opposite is being told. And Lord, I'm not doing these things to cause controversy, but truths must be declared. If we hold our peace, error will come in among the people. So we must cry out, help us, Lord Jesus. We love you tonight, Father. Thank you for your word. We appreciate you so much. Praise be to God. Don't you love him, saints? Don't you appreciate the word? Can I read you just a little bit more of this quote? We'll pick it up again maybe Wednesday night. The church was in that first age already a fallen woman. Notice it says, in the first age. As Satan had got to Eve before Adam, even now had Satan seduced the church, the bride of Christ, before the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what specifically was in her midst that had caused that fall but what Revelation 2, 6, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, already that first age had turned from following the pure word of God. They turned from God's demand of a church absolutely dependent upon Him, depending entirely upon God to fulfill His word from start to finish, apart from human government to Nicolaitanism, which is organizing a human government within the church which is all governments do legislate for the people so we have this committee and another committee and another committee and another committee and another committee and if the pastor preaches something different than what them committees say they call the pastor and say look our committee got together and said you do not preach that again people think Nicolaitanism is only with the preacher you need to reread the rest of the book Nicolaitan is just as much with the people as it is the preachers. Because it is a voice for the people. It's democracy and religion. Do we have a vote? Sure you have a vote. But you ain't got no say as far as the word being preached here in this pulpit. Well, I don't want predestined preachers. I don't care if you want it preached or not. As long as I'm pastor, it's going to be preached. Well, I vote against it. I vote against you. Notice he said they did exactly what Israel did. They took the expediency of human government instead of the word and the spirit. So they moved from this time now of separation from human government. And now they move over here into 53 A.D. I have somewhat against you. Because you left your first love. And what will God do at the end time? Move us out from under the auspices of human government. Well, I've got to check with this brother and see what he's... Well, I've got to see what's on so Well, I'll tell you one thing now. Brother Joseph told me to sit down and preach. Well, if Brother Joseph called you, then I'd advise you to do what he tells you today. But Brother Joseph never called me. Well, Brother Joseph Branham says we need to start preaching. I particularly don't care what he says. Because he's saying contrary to what his daddy said.
Well, praise the Lord. Brother Donnie, you shouldn't call people's names. Oh, you're saying Paul was wrong then. You're saying the Bible's wrong whenever it calls Hymenius and Philetius. A... Well, I don't think. Uh, when are you ever going to get that through? I don't preach about what you think. But it's not politically correct. Really? Oh, well, I'm so sorry. They didn't teach me that in seminary. Y'all didn't know I got a PST degree, right? Pine, sapling, thicket. And I've got a BA, born again. I'm an eighth day guy. New beginning. Oh my. They took the expediency of human government instead of the word and the spirit. So the bride age, it's like it come to an end. But God said, I'll have another one. The bride age will return. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Saying, we're closing. We're going to walk in Thank you, Lord. Let's sing it as we go. The beautiful bless you. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and tell them, I'm glad we're back in the bride age again. I'm glad we're back in the bride age, brothers. Praise the Lord. If I could remember that song we sung a while ago, I'd sing it again. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad, friends? Aren't you glad you got an eighth day experience living in the seventh day? Aren't you glad you got a bride age experience living in Laodicea? Aren't you glad you got a Holy Ghost baptism that's pulled you out of human government? Amen. Getting ready for a body change. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's sing it together, Harry. We shall be changed. God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of God. Come this weekend. Oh, my, I'll tell you, we got some wonderful things to look at, Lord willing. Amen. I, I've been studying. Well, you, you'll hear about it. Praise God. I think you're going to be blessed. Oh, we 